Welcome to I'll Start Monday, a podcast where we'll be discussing issues that affect us from mental health and well-being to finances and careers, the things we tend to put on the long finger. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking, and with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2019, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid requires willpower. Always read the label. I am your host, Keith Walsh, and over the next few episodes, I'll be joined by experts in various fields as we ask what we can do starting Monday that will have a positive impact on our lives. Now, saying you'll start Monday is sometimes seen as putting something off, but it's actually a great time to prepare yourself for success. Today, we're taking a look at habits, how we can break bad ones and develop good ones. One widely used treatment is cognitive behavioural therapy, or CBT, which we've been discussing with Neve Connolly, founder of Transform CBT in Dungarvan. CBT is a form of psychotherapy that can be used to help treat mental health problems, including depression, anxiety, addiction, and many others. During CBT treatments, therapists can help their clients to understand how their thoughts, emotions, and behaviours are connected, and how making small changes can help break cycles of negative thought and habits. Although it's been around since the 1960s, Rising awareness of mental health issues in society and a greater willingness to talk about these issues, thankfully, has seen an increase in interest in CBT over the last few years. Before establishing Transform CBT in 2017, Neve worked as a CBT therapist for a number of years, and as she saw the waiting list for her private practice grow longer and longer, she realised there was a need for something new. In response, Neve developed a series of group and online workshops and seminars based on the CBT protocols she uses in her client work, enabling her to reach a far wider audience. Neve, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you, Keith. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be chatting with you today. How are you today? Good. Very good. good. Yes. Are you always in a good mood? <laughs> a lot of the time when you have been steeped in something like CBT you know, talking about it, learning about it. You know, I still study it. I still keep updated and I preach it. You know, I'm a bit of a pain <laughs> because I'm immersed in it. So it has helped me hugely. So it does help me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you're you're really aware of how of your, your moods and your, your, your feelings and, you know, triggers and stuff like that. Like, do you yeah. can you see like bad moods coming, like annoyance coming down, you know, a bit of anger coming and can you like head it off the pass? Oh, yes. I never feel anything negative. <laughs> no, of course not. You know, I'm still human. Therapists are human. We have our bad days as well as our good days. But I think knowledge is power. Knowledge is key. If you're aware of something, you know, like just exactly like you're describing there, if you see something coming ahead, you can, you know, cut it off at the past. You can make and take steps to change something. You know, things are not inevitable, even if you're in a difficult situation. Um, a situation that you can't change externally. There's nearly always something you can change internally. Do you know? So there's, it's about going, OK, what will help here? CBT is really constructive. It's all about what's a solution? What would, you know, make something 1% better? It's all about small changes that add up and they make big differences then. Now, we're going to get really deep. We? we are. <laughs> we're, 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 I have my notes. I have my flashcards. <laughs> keep. We'll try and keep it light. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, Neve. Um, I studied psychology in UCC hundreds of years ago and uh, went on to work in a detention centre for girls for nearly 10 years. And while I was there, I went back to UCD and did my master's in counselling psychology. Uh, my mum put me on this path, by the way, at doing my leaving. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And this little booklet came from UCC about arts and in it was psychology. And she said, 
you're, you're good at people. You should do that. And that was it. It was as simple as that. It was straightforward. So I love chatting with people. I love, you know, meeting them, uh, interested in how they're getting on. I'm a communi- good communicator. So it just it kind of went, you know, it followed naturally then that I would uh, end up in something like this. But got married, had children, ran out of Dublin. And then when I wanted to retrain and get back to something for myself uh, and I looked up, you know, what works in a therapeutic sense, CBT stood to me head and shoulders um, as in it's constructive, it's time limited, uh, it's it works, you know, it's evidence based. There is science behind it that proves that if you follow the protocols that have been tried and tested over 50 years at this stage, you know, you can make massive improvements to a, a wide variety of issues. You, there must be great satisfaction in seeing somebody come in your door and then, huge, you know, after a series huge. of meetings, you yes. can see the changes. Because people say, oh, my God, you must be exhausted. You must be wrecked at the end of the week. And I'm not. I'm buzzing because I've you know helped people like somebody comes to me. Maybe they've had anxiety for 10 years or 20, their whole life. And they think this is just who they are. They don't realize that there are things that they can do. And within the first session. One of the most important things is that you give hope to somebody and you go, oh, there's load. Yeah, I can do something with that. We can. And for that thing, oh, I have something very special for that. And I give them the structure and I say, we'll do this first and then we'll do that. And it gives them a clear path and it helps them step back from the spaghetti that often our, our heads get into. You know, it's like these crazy junctions you see in the States at 47 interchanges. It's like, oh, my God, CBT puts clarity on that. It helps us break things down. And that's what makes it so effective because someone goes at the end of the first hour, they go, OK, A, I'm not mad or weird. B, there is something I can do. And C, I'm going to be given really clear and easy to not easy always to incorporate, but easy to understand steps. So it's it's just it's constructive. Um, I mean, I'm fascinated by it because I would be a big uh, advocate of going to therapy and it's helped me an immense amount. And but I I, I feel like saying to people, this is like because people just they'll struggle on their own for years and years and years. And I feel like saying like this person can help you, you know. And this is why it's fantastic to be able to do this podcast, because the more and more we can normalize and you've done it yourself on your own social media, which was amazing to normalize help seeking, to normalize talking to a professional, to normalize ordinary people talking about emotional issues. Uh, We should all be doing it. You know, if I go in and I do a corporate workshop and I go, how many of you are using your EAP, which is your employee assistance program, to take probably maybe six sessions? One or two people will put up their hand. Whereas I would say, okay, how many of you, if you had six sessions with the dentist, how many of you would go? Every hand in the room will go up. You know, so we we would prioritize our dental hygiene, but we need mental hygiene. We need to be looking after our minds. We need to be talking about it. We need to be educating about it. We need to understand it. So doing this is, yeah, it is fantastic. And it's not just for the extreme. That's the other thing. People think you have to be really unwell or there's something really wrong with you if you go and talk to a therapist. Absolutely not. The normal, the day to day, the stuff we're going to talk about today is really practical and really useful um, and it can head off things. Like I was saying earlier, it can if you're looking ahead, and you know, you've a really difficult year ahead of you. Somebody in your family is ill or, you know, different thing life. 
is coming at all of us. And if you have strategies and tools to, to cope with that, you'll handle the difficult situations better. It's not about avoiding the difficult situations. It's about arming and equipping yourself. Yeah, it's like uh, I've tried to describe to people as, you know, life is hard and you'll have ups and downs, but there are tools you can use to help you enjoy the ups and downs more, you know, and deal with them. We're all on some sort of a path. We're all going in in our own different directions. And if you can have a map, you know, why not use it? If you can take direction, if you if there's someone who's gone that route before and they've learned something, why not get the benefit of that lesson? Mm. Do you know, we're all kind of helping each other. And there's a wonderful space on social media in the, you know, the well-being world. You know, people are helping each other. And, and like you helped so many people when you spoke publicly, because particularly guys, unfortunately, are not as good at the old talking. So anything that we can do to normalise, to make it easy to follow. Yeah, I'm yeah. up for that. And guys have a bad habit of sort of backing themselves into a corner where they're, everything's fine, 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 until not only is it not fine yeah. anymore, it's a disaster, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what we can cover today. It's about breaking things down into small, manageable chunks so that if there is something, it doesn't need to get into that very extreme space. You can take three, four five steps back and if you can implement something earlier in the path, if you say if you're going off to college in September and you think, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to handle this. I'm, you know, I don't do well at study or I don't do well at mixing or whatever it is. If you stop and put a bit of shape on that and think about it first, that will really help. That's one of the things we're inclined to do is put our heads in the sand. Mm, you yeah, know, yeah. manana. I, yeah. <laughs> I used to be like that. And that's the thing. This Like going to therapy, people see it as some sort of weakness and they're worried about, you know, what would people think of me? Actually, it's it's kind of a superpower. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like, it's almost like, uh, yeah, no, things are much better now. Um, and take it from me. Um, so what are some of the examples of habits that clients have come to you and want to change? One of the biggest chunks of my work is anxiety. Um, probably 70, 80 percent of my clients come with that. Again, have you know, like I've said, thinking this is just who I am or this is who, you know, part of how I am and there's nothing I can do about that. So avoidance would be a big thing where if somebody, if they have social anxiety, they might avoid socialising. They may avoid uh, presentations in their job. They may avoid asking questions in class. Um, they may avoid mixing, going out. And it can be really isolating. It can be really very debilitating, you know, at its extreme. People can be, you know, worry incessantly, like generalized anxiety disorder, where no matter what you're doing, you're worrying about it. If it's something good, you know, you're going on holidays. Oh, my God, what could go wrong? You know, if uh, it's something you're presenting, oh, it'll be terrible. People will laugh, you know. So there's habits kind of encased in each of the different areas. Um, And again, it's like I'm saying, you know, we would break it down. We would look at where it starts, how it is maintained and then what we do to start breaking down those habits. So one of the things that people when they come to me, like, say, for example, um, as part of like depression is another area that I work a lot with low mood. Um, People struggle with inertia, you know, motivation to act, to get involved. They withdraw. Um, So connecting and communicating can be really difficult if your mood is low. So one of the things that we try and do is break things down and go, okay, where did like I'm saying, you go back to your three steps. Where did this start? What's maintaining it and what will make a difference? So people get very confused about motivation. We think when it comes to habits, 
you know, oh, I need motivation. I don't have motivation. And they look at maybe athletes or they look at people who are successful and they go, oh, they've got great motivation. And it's this kind of abstract thing that we think kind of lands on us or that we have. It's inherent. And it's actually it's the other way around. Action creates motivation. The more you do, the more you feel like doing. And that's one of the difficulties with low mood, because when your mood is low, you don't want to do anything. And it can be very difficult to step out of that rut. So one of the things I would work on and say with people is let's move away from motivation, which again can be just this external, you know, abstract idea. Let's talk about activation. That's an easier concept to get our heads around. Let's see what is it that I'd like to do and then what is going to help me get there? What's going to get me to act? Because once I'm acting, once I'm doing the things that I want to do, whether it's being healthier, taking on a new habit or whether it's letting go or quitting bad habits, either way, we need activation. So I would come up with the four headings that I would use and people might remember if you're listening now, grab a pen and jot these down is attention context, trigger and timing. So ACTT. So we're going to get people today to act by focusing on those four areas. OK, and anything. And this is the thing about CBT. People, Oh, you only go to therapy because there's something really wrong with you. You only go to therapy because there's it's very extreme or severe. No, you can go to and work out with a therapist on getting more organized, on stopping procrastinating, ADHD, something like that, coaching can really help put structure. You can listen to something like this and not have anxiety or depression, but want to get a bit more organized in your life. You might have a career goal that you're not meeting. You might have uh, you want to travel, you want to save money. What's going to help me do that? If you use these four pieces that I'm going to go through today, that will help you get on the line. So if we talk about attention, before you went to therapy, like where was your attention? What you used, what used you be thinking about, preoccupied with? What was on your mind? Oh, it's probably um, I, I don't know if this answers your question, but it's probably like a people pleaser. So all of my attention was on everybody else. So if I walked into rooms, like how was it, how was everyone else's mood? How do I change that? How do I fit in? How do I keep everybody happy? So that was kind of like yeah. I wasn't really focus, everything was external. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect sense. And very common, very common when people come into me and we're, we're consumed with what other people think and how we look to others. So our, our attention can be really externally focused. What you focus on is how you feel. That's a really important thing to keep in mind when it comes to attention. If you're focusing on others, if you're focusing on like walking into a big room and your thought is, I need to keep everyone happy. How difficult, first of all, is that? You know, the, the guys who do the, the plate spinning, that's what that's like. It's exhausting. You, it's doable, I suppose, but you're knackered at the end of mm. it. The other thing is, even when everybody is happy, OK, how long does that last? And it's a very precarious peak to balance your self-worth or your feelings on because it only takes one person to lose their agathy or change their mind or whatever and boom, you're gone again. Mm. So it's very difficult to maintain that. Also, how do you feel about yourself? That doesn't even come into the mix. So if anybody, anyone listening today is thinking about changing a habit, 
letting go a bad one, taking up a new one. The first thing to think about is where is your attention about the habit? First of all, but bigger picture, normally, what are you thinking about? If it's about others and what others think, that's called external validation. And we're using others to set kind of our plot. Would that be a sort of if you wanted to sort of if you fancied yourself as a writer or a mm-hmm. performer or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm using extreme sure. or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or uh, going for um, a promotion in work. But you think, oh, these people will laugh at me or mm-hmm. my family will think I'm an idiot, so I'm just not going to go there. Yeah. Is that an example of that? Exact example. One of the things to be aware of as well, and this comes hugely into play, particularly in anxiety, is how wrong our thoughts can be. If you're writing stuff down today, write down thoughts lie. We, our brains are wired to focus on the negative. If you think about it from a primitive point of view, what has kept the human race alive and flourishing, avoiding catastrophe? Cavemen managed to come out of the caves because they fought off the woolly mammoth or the saber tooth tiger or whatever it was. We're wired to spot catastrophe, threat, disaster, because as we evolved, that's what would have killed us. So we process negative information seven times faster than unharmful or neutral or constructive or positive information. So we're not only wired to see it more, we pay more attention to it and we can process it much faster. So we're slower at taking in the good stuff. So we assume a lot of the time that things are worse than they are, because when we did that from an evolutionary point of view, it kept us alive. Okay. so when you go, oh, what will people think? Like if you lined up, you know, I would say this to people or say a client would come in and say, oh, I can't do that. Everyone will laugh. My friends, if I said I want to change career, if I wanted to do whatever, whatever, you know, everyone will laugh. And I'd say, what would your friends say if they heard you say that about them? And they go, God, yeah, they'd probably be hurt. Do you know, and in these rooms that you walk into and you go, oh, what will they think? You walk into any group of people and you say to them, what are you thinking about me? What are you actually thinking about, Keith? What do you think is on all our minds? Ourselves. Yeah, of course. What do we all think about ourselves? How do I look? What's everyone thinking about me? We have a vastly kind of overestimation of how much time people are thinking about us. They're really not. Yeah. And I, and I actually have noticed once I've sort of changed my habits and th- the way I think that there's people are very supportive, you know, and, and people actually almost are. You find people coming out Absolutely. of the woodwork to help you Absolutely. with things, you know, where, where yeah. I just wouldn't have been aware of it before, you know. Absolutely. So where is your attention? Is it on when it comes to the habit? Is it on what can go wrong or is it on what can go right? Are you looking at, oh, sure, it'll be it'll never work. It'll never happen. If If you're assuming before you even step out of the gate that, that this thing is not going to you know, be a success, you're, you're setting yourself up then to not succeed. So where you put your attention from the get-go is really important. Keep it focused on the outcome. Because one of the things that we're inclined to do, I try and exercise, I try and keep healthy. So if I think about how hard a workout or a jog or whatever it is, if I focus on the effort of it, what am I going to want to do? Primitive brain is going to conserve energy. Yeah, stay at home. Stay at home, yeah, stay eat bed. food, calories, <laughs> keep yourself warm and contented because that's the primitive brain. Keep us alive. Keep safe, don't exert yeah. energy if you don't have to. So we have to step over that and switch our attention because, again, that's primitive brain. Great in an emergency. If you have to grab a child from running out in front of a car, brilliant. You want absolutely crack shot 
decisions. Instincts. Yeah. But if it's coming to something that you need to work out, you want your rational part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. You want that big boy engaged. He's asleep. He's not interested. Caveman is has the keys of the car. He's going to mind that. So we have to actually stop and think. And that's the bit about the attention. You need to wake up the prefrontal cortex. You need to ask yourself questions and go, what would be the benefits of me doing this? How good will I feel when I have this workout done? How good will I feel on Monday morning if I have had a completely sober weekend? How good will I feel when I get that essay submitted? How good will I feel when I finally put in that CV for that job I've been really wanting to do? And if you again think of what you focus is what you focus on is how you feel. If you're focused on success, if you're focused on getting to your goal, then you're going to feel more like doing it. You're helping yourself. You're prompting yourself. Mm. Really important. Yeah, like one of the things I I, I managed and I'm delighted that I, I I've, I've stopped drinking the last about a year and a half yeah. ago, or whatever. And and the, and if it ever if I ever get the urge, it's like well, I always focus on the next day. I always focus on Monday morning. I always Brilliant. focus on work I have to do that I want to do well, and that and that just gets me through. Yeah. You know, gets through that first beer or first glass of wine and then you yeah. know and then it's gone you know so that's attention what next okay the next thing is the context okay what's the context within which you're doing this how are your circumstances right now are you in a good place are you like stretched say if somebody uh, came to me and said Neve, I want to take on something new I want to take on uh, I'm going to train for a marathon okay and we look I'd say okay well, what's your context and they'd go, I've just moved into, you know, a new job. I'm working 15, 60 hours a week. It's really responsible. Um, I have a parent who's an elderly parent who's not very well. So I'm trying to look after them at the weekends. Uh, you know, I've just moved town with this new job. You're going, OK, is this the best time to take on a new habit? Because sometimes we're inclined when things are not working for us. We reach for some other thing. Do you know, like my life is a bit of a mess. I take up marathon running. Do you know, what's the context? Think about what it is that's going on in your life that will support you doing the new thing or encourage you maybe to not do the unhelpful thing like you're talking about there. OK, I'm going to quit the booze for a while. OK, well, what will help me do that? So that context is important. People are inclined to kind of jump in. And again, this is about the attention piece as well. We leap forward. We, we take on huge things and then we don't succeed, obviously, because maybe our attention is on the effort and the difficulty of it and the context. It's really not a good time. And then it's like, oh, you, you know, you go flat out for three days, you pull a muscle and they, oh, sure, you know, sure, I can't run anyway. And you give up. So think carefully about what's actually the best thing for you right now. And this is where kind of like baby steps comes in. Think about your circumstances. What do you have the resources for? Keep it small. That's something we often, you know, we reach for these enormous goals and it's too much. And we take that then, you know, when we don't succeed or it doesn't work out, we take it as meaning, oh, well, I can't succeed or, you know, I'm no good anyway or I'm not good enough or I'm not going to be able to do that. And underneath the heading of context, it's important to know your own no, know yourself. Do you have, what's your own background? What's your history of taking on things? Is it something that's good or bad? If it's something that you're always struggling with, to keep persisting with just trying to do new things 
is not going to help. So know your situation and your context. And if you're going, OK, I never get these things right. Stop and pause and look at the bigger picture and go try and think around the habit formation than the habit himself. We can get very kind of consumed with the thing instead of why the thing isn't working. You might have been two or three years ago going, how is that I can't get through a weekend, you know, without a hangover? Instead of thinking it's not actually the hangover, it's what else is going on in my life mm. that I'm ending up with the hangover. Well, so it's to- the bigger picture. Totally. To- I mean, I, like everything you're saying is just yeah. like ringing true here. And to- I just happened to give up alcohol because I didn't need it at the weekend because of the changes I made to how I was during the week and yeah. how I felt. Yeah. So it was kind of like it was almost like a knock on effect. That's the point. Mm. Sometimes we think we have to go all out and fix the outcome rather than going back and fixing the cause. Mm. And you'll find your cause if you know your context and your circumstances, if you understand what's going on in your life, you'll start to see what's bringing. And that brings me to my third point, which is trigger. Trigger. What's triggering this change right now? What is it about right now, this weekend, that you're deciding I'm going to do X, Y or Z? Is it something that came up a year ago? Is it something that came up two years ago? What's kind of kicking this off for you? And if it's to look better in front of other people, So that people will think well of me. Again, this goes back to where's your attention? If it's for external validation, that's highly unlikely to succeed. Mm. So what's why are you doing this? What value? Again, it goes back to what your attention. What value is this going to bring? If you're doing it for the right reasons, it'll make it much easier to do. If you're doing it because you want to feel healthy, that's a good internally validating uh, goal. So it's like as I want to feel healthy as opposed to I think that will impress my boss. Exactly. Or make yeah. my family happy. Exactly. So going back using the kind of the marathon analogy instead of deciding and we'll stick stick with the, the example of the person with the new job and the new, you know, they're really under pressure rather than saying I'm going to, you know, do marathon running to help my mental health. I'm going to take up meditation or I'm going to sit and just, you know, read nice books once a week. I'm going to, you know, make sure I connect with people every weekend that I have one hour that's just for me and you decide rather than. And it's those small. So I would really encourage anyone wanting to take up new habits or change their lives. Start small. Keep your trigger like really close to you. Keep it really small and don't underestimate the power of a small trigger. We're inclined to, again, go with these huge things. You know, somebody who's maybe struggled with their weight and they're going to have to lose three stone and then maybe a couple of pounds come off and they plateau and then they lose hope. Instead of focusing on where they're going, the direction, if you're going in the right direction, it doesn't matter. Again, think of trigger, keep it small. It doesn't matter if you plateau. It doesn't matter if it doesn't all fall off straight away. It doesn't matter if you go straight into marathon running. As long as you're starting to act healthier, behave healthier, maybe eat healthier, look at your sleep. If you're doing those changes, all of those, you're still on the right path. Yeah. So you're clearing the way you're getting you're you're making the, the foundation, you're getting the foundation ready for when you are, when you yeah. do start the training for the, So you could be reading books about it or 
you know, making exactly. sure your diet is better exactly. or getting good sleep or and then and then you see that's not ex- that's not sexy that's not exciting <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean and this is the bit we want or I want to be out on the road and I want to be you know maybe seen by people running or I want to be in the running club because that's where the cool people are or whatever it is yeah, I feel I feel seen here <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the final T then the time 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 first of all give time these things take time and we're inclined to we're kind of like children we're impatiently going okay I've been on this health kick for a week and nothing has happened oh my god you know patience breathing pausing these things are slow the timing of something we have to commit to something changing in the long term because that's real change the kind of things that you do really quickly usually are coming from they're not meeting the good attention context and trigger they're probably coming from unhelpful places in the first place so if you get your timing right you're going okay this is a good time in my life I've you know I'm settled in my job or I'm settled in my relationship or the kids are finally going to school or whatever it is this is a good time for me now to take on this task whatever it is getting healthier going back to school it doesn't matter. Am I doing it at the right time? And then do I have the time to give it? Stop and think, how's your week? Is it absolutely bananas? Is it like, are you disorganized? Are you all over the place? Are you always chasing your tail? Maybe make timing your goal first so that it get a bit organized, put a bit of effort into working out. OK, I need to house the mess there's stuff everywhere and my office is like a bomb hit it do a bit of clearing out do a bit of organising that can be really grounding that you okay now I know where everything is write things down have I have I spent time working this out or is this just something I'm kind of going to jump into without much forethought so it takes time that's the first thing be patient allow yourself the luxury of building a habit. It can take up to 60 days of repeated behaviours for something to go from thinking about it to autopilot. But it happens. But we need to persist. Look at babies. How do they learn to walk? Toddlers. They get up off their little bums and they fall a hundred thousand times. But do they do they think, oh, I can't do it? No, they go, I just need to keep going. And in time, because they persist, they learn how to walk. Think about driving, Keith. Can you remember the first time you took out a car on your own? Oh, well, I would say that uh, at one point in my life, I was convinced I would never be able to drive. It just, you know, looked too confusing. It's too difficult. And that's that's when it comes to things like these habits. We think we're sitting into a car and there's too many pedals and there's too many gears and there's too many other cars on the road. And if pedestrians could just please disappear, then I'd have a hope. And that's the kind of brain fog and overwhelm that we get into. If we take the time and we persist with the habit, we drive it down into autopilot. If you go on a regular journey, I bet you now you get halfway or three quarters and you go, geez, I don't remember that bit because it's just autopilot Mm. because you stuck with it. The brain is fantastic. The brain, the prefrontal cortex, the big guy that we need to keep uh, engaged by asking questions and thinking about things that loves it loves a challenge it loves to learn something new the brain loves rewiring itself 
the capacity for our brain to change. Neuroplasticity is this wonderful term that has come out in the last 10 years because of the advances in MRI imaging. We can actually see into the brain now. Mm. It's mad. And we can rewire our brains. When you learn a new skill, we either incorporate new wiring or we change the way we did use old wiring. There was a study done on depression on people who had had six months, well, about 20 sessions of CBT for depression and the amygdala, like when I was talking about the primitive part of the brain, the amygdala is the bit that's used in emergencies and it's it's the primitive brain. That had actually become more inactive. So when they were scanning it, there was less neurons firing. So that's good, means prefrontal cortex is engaged more, but it had also physically shrunk. Wow. And that blew my mind. And I'm always quoting that example because we underestimate our abilities. We underestimate. We say, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I could never, you know, do learn a new language or do a new job or go back and take on a new course. Yes, you can. You can. They're all habits. It's all about persisting. It's all about believing that you can, but allowing yourself the luxury of the time to actually you know, give it a chance to flourish. Trust the process is, is something I say a lot to myself now. Huge, mm. huge. Patience, under timing comes patience, persistence, stick with it. It's like Denzel loves to quote, fall down seven, get up eight. So that's where I would say under timing. Yeah, be patient. So A-C-T-T. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to try and remember them. Attention, context, trigger and timing. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, because when they're in the right place, you're activated. You're going to want to do things. Mm. You're going to be encouraged to do things. When they're in the wrong place, you're going to stay stuck in the unhealthy habits. You're going to be more inclined to reach for the glass of wine instead of going for a walk. Whereas when you switch them. And also then it's like fail to prepare, prepare to fail, you know. Yeah. A huge thing in terms of helping yourself to do this is write it down. Okay. That engages the prefrontal cortex. We want this big boy on writing things down. It helps us organize. It helps us. It activates so many different areas of the brain because you're not just using uh, your eyes to read the script that you've just written. You're using your hands, your spatial awareness, your visual cortex, you know, your brain lights up. And that's what we want to see when it comes to working this stuff out. So if you're writing things down, if you make some sort of a plan, do a pros and cons. But do a four way pros and cons. Okay, what's that? So if you give me an idea of what would you like to change, Keith? Me? Yes. Have you a habit that you'd like to drop or take off? I need to give up chocolate. Okay, so what are the pros and cons of eating chocolate? And this is important. Know your own no. This is about triggers. Okay. And then what are the pros and cons of not eating chocolate? We forget we do one and we don't do the other one. Okay, I get you. You're getting something from the chocolate. If you understand your trigger, and this comes back to timing. So every time you go to reach for the chocolate, you go, pause. Okay, what's actually going on here? This is the bit we don't do. Give yourself 30 seconds to work out how am I actually feeling right now? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? I really want chocolate. That's how I feel. Because? (laughs) Because probably a dopamine hit that I need. There you go. You see, the minute you give any reflection to it, you know, we know ourselves far better than we give ourselves credit for. Do you know, we actually, when we pause, it's all there. Like our bodies and our minds are there waiting 
ready for us to look after ourselves if we give that pause and attention. It's all there. We have the answers because a lot of time people come into me and they go, oh, I can't do that. Or, you know, if I do that, it'll be awful. You know, this kind of vague. And mm-hmm. that's one of the huge kind of um, it's a big issue in anxiety. It thrives on vague. Oh, that'll be awful. And I go, OK, awful how? Life without chocolate. Okay. Awful, terrible. Specifically. <laughs> See, but there you go. That's if, if that's what you're focusing on the lack. So if you focus on that, what you focus, how you feel. If you're focusing on, oh, poor me, mm. no dopamine without chocolate, you're going to feel deprived. So I'm focusing then on how much better I'll feel without the sugar and I'll feel healthier and I'll yeah. look better, possibly. Now, the other, now, you see, but there you, you see, you're, but that's so much information. It's good to know that. Then you might go, do you know what? It's only a bloody square of chocolate. Okay. I need to get over now myself. I've, now, now I've got do you know me. what I mean? Yeah. That's the other thing. Are we being really hard on ourselves? And that kind of harshness and how we talk to ourselves. You know, if a friend of yours was reaching for a bar of chocolate, would you say to them, put down the chocolate? No. Probably not. Why? Um, because they probably deserve it. Well, I'd probably say you've had six of those today or, you know, maybe. <laughs> well, that's but fair enough, but that's good. But you see the way you're, you see, context. Mm-hmm. You've gone to the context there and you've gone, OK, hang on. This is in a context of me having eaten six bars of chocolate and I will actually puke if I eat another one. Fair enough. So when you hit, you see, when you go back, when you pause, it comes back to time. That's the biggest thing I would ask people. Pause during the day. Life is so busy. Life is so hectic. The pandemic has stripped out loads and loads of resources. We're all firing on empty cylinders practically at this stage. So we really need to slow things down. Life's been so hectic. People at home trying to homeschool and work remotely and, you know, just really, really difficult. 30 seconds, two or three times over the course of the day where you go, okay, how am I? That is fundamental. That will orient you towards your habits. You're paying attention. You know what your context is. You're tuning in. Then if there's a trigger, you know what it's about. It doesn't just come out of the blue and you're giving time to yourself. So act again. It's the same. You can use those four words in any way. The bit about writing it down then will just help keep it clear. Keep your goals huge really big. Don't Mm. make goals small. Think of them like a a bullseye, you know, like a target in archery. The bigger the the goal, the bigger the target, the more likely you are to hit it. So I want to get healthier. Brilliant. Then keep your steps towards that goal tiny. So I'm going to eat. If I'm eating six bars of chocolate a day, Keith, maybe I'm going to start eating three. They're only small (laughs) freddos. You robbing kids chocolates again, Keith. (laughs) <laughs> so target's big but steps that's good small yeah yeah. that makes it easy it's easy to think yeah. think that way um, you've probably said it already but I'm going to ask you uh, for our listeners who are looking to make small but impactful changes to their yeah. lives looking at next Monday in particular yeah. for example what could the listeners do to start making progress towards their goal or goals okay start the night before Okay. Yeah. So people, you know, we do this thing of Monday morning. And one of the reasons people struggle with that is because they haven't, you know, we need to do a bit of homework. We need to do a little bit of preparation. You don't just decide I'm going to climb Everest and rock up to the base camp on Monday morning. Now, I'm not saying don't climb Everest, (laughs) but be all of, as they used to say, 
be prepared. So sun, Monday morning starts Sunday night. So when I'm working with my clients, I ask them to do and on social media, I'm promoting this all the time. Do your daily check ins. First thing in the morning before your head's off the pillow. How am I? How am I feeling? Am I looking forward to the day? Am I dreading it? You know, how am I? We don't do that. We jump up and launch ourselves into the day and then we wonder at 11 o'clock why we're stressed or anxious or low. So 30 seconds, a couple of times. Do it again at lunchtime. And if anyone wants more details on this, I've loads of resources. They can get in contact with me and I'll give them much more detail on it. But three, two or three times a day, ask yourself, how am I? It's so simple. And that's what we overestimate. We think it has to be something very complicated. It doesn't. But your final check in a couple of hours before bedtime should be a kind of like a debrief on the day. How was today? And am I ready for tomorrow? So if you want to do something on Monday morning, give 10 minutes thinking about it on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. Maybe don't leave it till Sunday night. That's the Glen Row music. <laughs> so do a little bit of preparation. Do a little bit of thinking around it. Use the ACTT. Attention, context, trigger and time. Use those four headings. Spend a couple of minutes jotting down a few things. Do it like a mind map or a, you know, a bit of a sprawl. Write down. Why do I want to do this? What benefits will it bring me? How good will I feel when I have it done? How would I talk to somebody else wanting to kick a habit or take up a new one? So get in that space of encouraging and supporting. And then you're halfway on that road already. Yeah. Well, look, uh, someone like I've I've been seeing a therapist for about a year and a half now. So I mean, like just so much of what you said, like it's like I feel like I'm I'm living it now. Whereas, Brilliant. You know, Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I can I totally like attest to everything you're saying there. So um, thank you very much, Neve. Thanks for coming in. Brilliant. I really enjoyed Chatting that. That was great. Thanks, so there you are, folks. Uh, whether you're looking to lose bad habits, create new habits or anything else to positively impact your life, then circle next Monday in the diary and get started. We'll be back next Monday with Carl Dieter to talk about managing your finances.